0: Hi Bruno, welcome back. Hey Adam. Yeah, thanks for having
1: me. It's been uh, it's been a uh, fun.
0: And I forgot uh your your last name is Borges, right? Is it pr- perfectly pronounced? Yeah, that's perfectly pronounced. Borges. Really? Borges. Is, yeah, yeah.
1: Some some people call me Borg, Borges, and all I can think of is Cyborg and it's it's weird. Borges is the right way. Borges.
0: You see? Yeah. Um, it's a
1: little bit German. I don't know. It, it sounds a little bit German.
0: The uh the Borges name? Yeah, i Maybe it's a German. I, I thought it was a Brazilian, right? Portuguese.
1: Well, the way the yeah, the way it's written now these days is. But when I did some research years ago, I found some traces of German-ish things in the name. Yeah, you have a German the humor. Name. This
0: is this is the traces, you know.
1: <laughs> Are you saying my humor is bad? No, very Jesus. good.
0: Uh, German humor. Just saying. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what what I found uh, you uh, you changed the department right you were the um, Asia manager and now uh, you are back to Java right if I'm correct
1: I was well that it's been a while when when was the last time that we spoke Is I have to like,
0: check it but it was one year for sure oh I was already in this team yeah but but yeah I mean.
1: People are interested. When I joined Microsoft, I joined to uh, in the Developer Relations team, and I was uh, doing the Java team over there. Mm-hmm. And then in 2020, Jesus, I can't remember anymore. I think no, it was 2019. By the end of 2019, I moved to the Developer Division, where we do products and tools and services for developers. And uh, that's where the Java Engineering Group uh, sits. That's that's where I work now mm-hmm. since then.
0: We did the first episode in uh, 2018, Microsoft Open Source Java. This was the ep- episode number 15. And the next one was uh, episode number 29, actually, 2019, one le- later. And I think the last time was Bruno Loves YAML something and <laughs> uh, I- I hates uh, YAML, hates YAML and not loves. This was a- Who doesn't? Yeah, this was the May of uh, 2020 in the year 2020. That was the last one. Oh, that's, but
1: that's a lot of episodes.
0: Yeah, but um, one of the episodes we had a chat about uh, servers versus runtimes, and uh, this was actually for me really important, you know, insight because for me there was no distinction between both. I, I didn't care, but after our talk, now I'm more careful, you know, uh, talking about runtimes or servers. So, um, and, uh, Interesting. and yeah, because uh, many people care. And uh, and uh, something like Quarkus, right? is more like a runtime. It's something like uh, Pyara is more a server. And yeah, uh, yeah. and uh, and from architectural point of view, it's a huge distinction right now. And uh, yeah, this is what I wanted to, to 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 tell you since our you know chat in the AHAX FM podcast. I I'll really be more careful about you know talking about servers and runtimes, and mostly I talk about runtimes right now, but actually what I'm doing are all runtimes, so this was a great conversation, by the way, so this was the last time.
1: So, it, interesting, because, uh, uh yeah, the other day was, uh, I think it was Friday, I, I recorded a, uh, another podcast with uh John Galloway, mm-hmm. and we were talking about uh, Java, the language, I had uh, Mark Hagler also join, and uh, we were discussing about so John Galloway is a .NET guy. He has been been doing .NET since .NET was born. But he was very curious about Java. So he invited me to his to his podcast and, and I invited Mark uh, because Mark also knows Kotlin and we I felt like the Java ecosystem is more more than just the Java language or the JVM. So I I, I needed some help and Mark Mark said yeah, let's do it. Uh, and one one Interesting topic that came by at the end of the podcast that I raised to John. Hey, John, we should record this uh, uh, idea in the future. And it is that I think there's nobody should be fighting about languages anymore whatsoever. Languages there there are of course there are some aspects of programming languages that are important, like you know verbosity, type safety. uh, whether you can use space to make blocking codes or whether semicolon is important. Yeah, there, there are things like that. Uh, but but really, when it comes to benchmarking and performance, it's not the language, it's the runtime. And, and oh, but I write this code in Scala and the code runs super fast. Well, it's, it's, it's Java, right? It's the Java runtime at the end. Uh, Scala compiles to bytecode, and the runtime is 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 the JVM, is the Hotspot JVM. Sure, Scala code may produce some bytecode that is uh, uh, a little bit different than uh, has more instructions or more structures uh, than if you're writing Java or if you're writing Kotlin, but it's it's still the same runtime. So, and then people say, oh well, I'm coding TypeScript, but I'm coding JavaScript. Well, but it's no JS, so it's V8. Your runtime is V8. So when people do benchmarks, I find odds that people are comparing languages in the benchmark. When in reality, they, they should be comparing the runtimes. Uh, I can write code in Rust, but run as a WebAssembly uh, uh, application. I can write code in 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 Visual Basic and compile to uh, bytecode that is that runs on CLR. Mm-hmm. So. So I think I think I think runtimes versus servers and runtimes and languages. It's an interesting discussion because uh, uh, developers get so attached to a, a topic, and then they start comparing things, but not looking into actually the core of the thing that they are comparing or they want to compare. And that's why sometimes there's so many like wasted time in discussions and debates. And you know, when I look into these threads on Reddit, and people are like, "No, but you are wrong." And then well you're wrong because you're actually thinking this way i'm talking about that way and it's just just a waste of energy and time and opportunities for people to actually like debate and come up with some ideas and you know build something uh uh greater or just actually just become aware of things that already exist sorry yeah it, uh, the end that podcast ended with with that open question and uh who knows, maybe in the future that's that's another one hour, an hour and a half long podcast just to talk about runtimes.
0: So okay, we can continue here because uh what we talk about is less about the performance. Rather than uh deploying or not deploying. So uh an execution model. Yeah, right? the application servers. You know, whether we should uh, we have the war in deployment, I say, okay, I don't care and I say, Okay, but look, this is the the server and runtime wins, you know, uh the is, you know the Java starts the entire thing, and and I thought about it. Like, okay, you are actually right, and this was the idea. But uh, back to your performance, I'm actually different opinion, but for uh, other reasons. So um, performance usually doesn't matter a lot because usually it's fast enough if you write simple code. This is uh, if if you know what you are doing. I mean, you know, are doing if you know. What you would like to write from the you know domain business or functionality perspective, that co- your code will execute well these days. So I don't don't expect you know that it will run on .NET really fast and Java will be orders of magnitude slower. And you know whether something is ten percent or five percent faster or slower, it really depends. I mean this is you cannot. You cannot. I think you cannot say in general that you know .NET is in general faster than Java or Java is in general faster. Maybe there were some use cases when one is faster than the other, but it doesn't matter. But last year I reviewed a project, um, and it was a microservice project. And and, and but, but actually I reviewed two projects. Uh, there were two teams. One uh, was uh, like a, a you know a f- a very new team, and the other one was like a, um, a developers who. Known, known each other for years, and the older team they created everything in Java, simple code. I read the code and I knew what's going on, so uh, I knew it will you know run okay. And if it doesn't run okay, there is probably locking in a database or something, you know, which uh, which has nothing to do with Java. And the other team by you know developers from different uh, companies, and it was um, a microservice architecture they had uh, no kidding So the uh, the the older teams uh, they've wrote maybe 5 microservices which makes sense and uh, the others they've wrote i would say maybe 40 microservices and they <laughs> used javascript and typescript in different microservices uh, so this was javascript was one microservice the other one typescript they used python they used java they used uh, go and other languages, I forgot about this, but this was the at least this, uh, the, the the languages I counted, and, and 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 never saw such a thing. And I tried to understand what's going on; it was almost impossible. And I asked them, and they say, "Yeah, there was one developer from this company started in Python. We had no idea it was Python. Then we tried to you know to, to, to do something with Go, and and this is a mess." So what I what really what, I I don't believe in polyglot programming in one team at all. So um. I would say if you are a .NET developer, just do .NET, and if I were, you know, a .NET developer, I would probably just use C sharp. I would not allow in my project, you know, to have C sharp, F sharp, and whatever sharps you have. Just you know one sharp is enough. And in Java, exactly the same. Uh, what I try to do is my personal opinion is Java seventeen is good enough. Kotlin is maybe nicer, but it's not like if you write in Kotlin and I'm in Java 17, you will overtake me, you know, by orders of magnitude. Maybe maybe you are 5% faster. But now, if I'm using Java 17, I, I don't have, you know, to justify why I use Java 17 and not Scala. But if you start with Kotlin in larger project, then you have to talk, you know, we use Kotlin, but not Groovy and not Scala and whatever is, you know, and, and the, you know, the, I would say, how to call it, alternative JVM languages. I've wrote actually a blog right. post because every two years I get asked, why are you not using actually Jython? You don't like Groovy or why are you not using Groovy? Why are you not using Scala? And, and I say, okay, I don't care. I just Java is good enough and I do Java. And, and the last 20 years, it worked great. So um, I would say what I don't like is just picking another language. Because you are bored by Java, and I would say then it means you know there's enough exc- excitement should be you know in your projects. So switching languages is like you know if you are a, a butcher, you know, and uh, and your job is you know to 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 sell sausages. It's not like you are, you are experimenting with chainsaws and knives and whatever. This is it should be good enough, you know, it's just a tool. And this is this is what I what I'm thinking. So uh, I would say I'm completely with you with the runtimes. But I really don't understand why a project has to use you no know, five different languages just to have more fun.
1: There was a there is this project called Dapper
0: uh, on the internet. Microsoft started that project.
1: Uh-huh. It's it's open source, and now uh, there are other companies contributing to that project. And one of the key things about that project is that it's a it's a microservice framework that is actually polyglot where, you know, you want to talk to a database? Well, you actually consume a sidecar that gets deployed with your application. Um, and you can write your application in Java, JavaScript, Python, whatever. And then from that application, you, you actually use a Dapper SDK, or you can do a raw HTTP connection or GR, GRPC connection. To the Dapper sidecar, and the Dapper sidecar actually connects the database or other components like messaging queue systems and whatnot. Uh, so, so Dapper abstracts that that connectivity, and uh, for some good reasons, you now centralize the access point between the application and those uh, uh, services. So there, there, and there are other reasons why why that is an interesting approach, <clears throat> but. Uh, the, the reality is one of the one of the values that I saw people saying, "Oh, this approach is awesome because now different microservices can be written in different languages," and I'm like, "Why? Why would you have a company with?" Uh, 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 and I'm talking about a small to mid-sized company. Why? Why? Why would you have a company uh, have five teams developing a, a system, a product, and Having like super diverse, fragmented choice of languages to implement that system, what good will that do uh, in in the in the long term for that company? Now you have to uh, uh, hire from different pools of of of, of developer markets, uh, different programming uh, languages, different uh, experiences with other frameworks and whatnot, and. Uh, it, it also limits the uh, transition of, of employees between teams. Oh, I don't want to go to that team because they work with Java, and I'm not a Java developer, so that I don't, I don't want to transition to that. I don't know how to, give, to help them or maintain that code because I'm, I'm a Python developer. I don't know Java, and I don't want to learn Java. And I, I, I've seen that. I've heard uh, those stories. Um, and, and it goes both ways, right? I'm a Java developer. You know, TypeScript or JavaScript is not my thing. I don't want to do uh, Rust or I don't want to do Go or whatever because uh, uh, Java is enough to me. So there is this this sense of like, how do we help? How these companies can have uh, a workforce where knowledge can be shared? The moment that you have more standards uh, uh, or or common choices among engineering teams, uh, it is easier to share knowledge. You have more people using the same technologies more higher potential of having uh, better uh, code review and, and learning experiences and uh, modernization and evolution of the code base across different teams because of that, because everybody's sharing the same common uh, technology choice. But for, for very big corporations, it's totally fine because, because there are multiple systems. There are lots of systems being implemented in a large company. And that happens, you know. You go, you go to the telecom company. They have hundreds of projects over there. Hundreds yeah, but but
0: but then, but then we are talking like you know on the ESP level, which was you know we tried to achieve twenty years ago, where SOA coordinates the departments, right? This was the <coughs> the idea. So, but I'm I'm absolutely with you. If you're a huge company, the departments are almost like you know independent companies. So they could be yeah, that one yeah. department is uses Python, and the other uses Java is fine. But I see no reason why someone in you know in the Java department should introduce just for fun other languages. So if you this is Java yeah. department, stick with Java, and the other department stick with Python, you know, and then they can integrate over Dapper. So Dapper as a uh, integration layer is perfect. So, but what I never understood, and this started I don't know whether you remember, you know, this uh, I think Craig. Craig Mac- McLenahan, right? The, the Java server face guy from Sun Microsystems back then started to talk about polyglot programming, I think. Back then, that we should, you know, uh, pick different languages and, and And I never understood the idea to propagate the variety because, you know, in Java, we were very strict about, you know, formatting and standards and patterns or whatever. And now we are talking, okay, we could do everything there in Java, but I you know... Why we should actively introduce in a Java project another language? This does didn't never made a sense for me. Of course, if there is a talent, you are buying an you No know, Extended companies and you get .NET developers, they should stick with .NET and we can integrate with Dapper or REST or whatever. So you should not migrate .NET project to Java. We they can just communicate, right? And uh, this is this is of course, but but I would never try you know to introduce to the .NET developers one Java microservice just for fun. Why? I mean, it is it is perfect. If if I would say the less complexity and having multiple languages in one projects, of course, in my my eyes, introduces the complexity usually, right? Because you have to understand more. You can use you know you have to use different tools, different debugging, profiling, and so forth. So um so I, Long story short, there should be an obvious reason, you know, to to, to, to introduce more. How, how well, do there it? is there,
1: there there is a reason. There, yeah. there, there is a reason. Uh, one one key aspect of retention of good engineers is morale, mm-hmm. is excitement, mm-hmm. is is the opportunity to learn more. Mm-hmm. So so if I uh, if I uh, mid-sized company or a, uh, a large company with multiple uh, departments, you know, they, they, they want to retain engineers. And they, if, if the engineer is happy because they can learn at the job, they can experiment with new technologies, and they're allowed to do their job uh, with their uh, choices of technology, uh, as long as you're, of course, you're not super crazy, but, but reasonable within what the company believes is the right set of technologies to be used, uh, that actually helps uh, the company and the employee to remain motivated, remain excited at the job and the company to retain that uh, uh, that engineer. So so there is this this personal aspect and motivational aspect that developers developers in general are always wanting. They, they, are, they always want to learn something new. They, they want to experiment new things. And what better way to experiment and learn something new if not in the job and put that thing in production to test, you know? And, and really, really go all the way to the to the, the finish line. So I, I, I understand uh, this this will to, to run these other languages, to to build solutions with these other languages, because it is exciting. It is you're exploring a brand new brave new world of uncertainty and and discovering things every day. Oh my God, I can do this thing in Kotlin this way that you know I, I was never able to do in Java and I still maybe am not able to do in Java, but I can do that in Kotlin. This is much better. Oh my God, I wish Java had that. That moment, that exact moment of, of discovery is what keeps engineers excited in doing their job. And that is an important aspect uh, of, of, of retention of good engineers. And uh, I, see, I see value in that. But there is, there must be a val- uh, a balance. I'm sorry. There must be a balance of how far can engineers go to keep their excitement in the job, while also reducing the risk of the company of not having a complete madness uh, in, the, in the code base of their products and tech debt and other things that may may make it difficult for the company to continually evolve and hire new engineers as well. So. So that's why it's important to have some, you know, some rules, some standards, some guidelines, some policies in place with architects and uh, team leads that provide some north to the engineers, so they can they can go a little bit off road, but still within the road.
0: Yeah, you know, the, I g- give yeah, absolutely. But um, learning new things, <laughs> I'm entirely entirely with you. But you know, in the past what I saw and recently, I saw, you know, they wanted to use, you know, in Java reactive programming. So they, 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 they introduced a lot of new, you know, APIs. And, and then I saw, you know, four REST endpoints were invoked and then wait forever, you know, blocking call. And I was like, okay, I mean, nice that you did it, but with Java would be, you know, a lot, a lot simpler and we don't need external dependency, which you have to maintain. And, um, and, uh, I'm also long- uh my, my problem is if I would just take, let's say, Java 17, JDBC, and Postgres, just this. This is what I would say almost legacy technologies. There is so much to learn. I would say you will need 10 years to understand and what's going on, and you can still optimize everything from Postgres to Java. There is no need, you know, Java is huge. Java SE even. And uh, also recently, I reviewed a project with crazy HTTP libraries, and they use Java 17. I asked them, you know, why are you actually not using Java 11 HTTP client? It's just great. I didn't knew about that. Right. No, instead of using what's there, you 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 are you are you are using uh, you know external dependencies and, and and crazy stuff. So, um, my opinion is, just you know, start if you if you use Java. Look at, learn Java first. This is really exciting. So the modern Java is really nice. So if I would deploy stuff to Microsoft, right? So on on the cloud. So DAPR is Microsoft uh, technology. So Microsoft technology is open source. But I take a look at the contributors. And uh, Microsoft is very active. And what's uh, what's surprising, um, most of the contributions happens in October. What is in October? Big conference. So it's always no in in October is like a spike of all the commits, uh, but it it is <laughs> it, it is it is steady and October is a spike and the, but it's still you know the entire year is very active and October is a spike or October November, and um and um so for me would be you no know, Java, if I'm on Asia Dapper would be interesting because Dapper is like you know microsoft standard why because you know most of the committees are from microsoft runs on asia is probably well integrated with the services stick with that but i would then try to learn dapper before i will try to introduce istio because i would say okay why i use you no know, istio on dapper is for me are similar why you know to use istio on asia when dapper is here this is what i'm talking about right so in every ecosystem or runtime there is a kind of a context or standard, and uh, what I try to do is, if I try, if I'm on Asia, I would use, you know, Microsoft Open JDK because I'm on Asia. Why I should, you know, look at something different just to just to just to make, you know, and and I'm on AWS, I would pick Coretto because I'm on AWS. So I wouldn't get, you know, the right. idea to to deploy on AWS uh, Microsoft JDK. So this is what I'm talking about. Um, because if if you think about this. Bicep and Azure functions and there are already a lot to learn. I'm not really interested in to even learn more. You know, it is not like uh we, we everything is boring. So if you do it right, I would say if you if you if you push an and Java application to Azure, so what you could do, you could be very conservative and say I use MicroProfile, profile, it's well supported by Azure. So we say, okay, then we can skip already, you know, 80% of Java frameworks. And then um, you know, integration with Azure Vault. Microprof, uh, 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 Azure functions with your you no, know, uh, Maven, uh, plugin. And, um, I would say you can spend months just learning new things and still be very conservative. And, uh, you can sleep better because if you're using supported software, the chances are lower that something breaks. You know what I mean? If I would right. use Dapper, my expectation would be. At least the certificates are working, you know. But if I if I do something else, you know, the, the, uh, you did properly something with the cloud, right? Already, so you know, the, the pain with configuration, certificates, and config. This is the, uh, and, and 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 not config's uh, part, uh, firewalls and 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 permissions. This is the you know. This is always the complexity.
1: But it's but uh, but, it's, is there, but, but that's that is sort of there is sort of a trade off here. Mm-hmm. There will, there will always be complexity. The question is, do you want to address the complexity at the beginning or later? Mm-hmm. So, so when you're developing an application, uh, like, like you said, I just want to write a uh, little microservice, uh, and I'm going to do Postgres database. So I need JK17. Postgres database is already running somewhere. And I need I need an HTTP server. And then you may say, sure, use the HTTP server that goes into the JDK 17. I would never suggest that because it's not mm-hmm. very well-maintained, per se, for production. It mm-hmm. doesn't, doesn't necessarily provide the controls for production scaling. But, but let's see. Okay, let's assume you bring in at least one dependency, which is a microservice... REST endpoint framework, whether it's MicroProfile Profile or whatever, Jersey, whatever. Okay, fine. You develop that, you run that, and, and it's running with Postgres. Okay, now, that is in production. Now you have, at some point along the way, new requirements. Those requirements are, okay, you need some logging, you need some APM solution, you need scaling this, you need to provide authentication and security and authentication and security that will dynamically change uh, with the application running. So you need to check an active directory or LDAP uh, instance. Now your, your requirements start to evolve as your application is running. So you will have to deal with that complexity anyways uh, unless, unless of course you are writing a lunar a lunar module landing system that it, the only job is to land on the moon. No, but the, um, code, the code changes. But, but my point, my point is, business applications will always have requirements shifting along the way. Yeah. So, but so to when, this point, when when, Bruno. People, when people deploy when people deploy applications to cloud environments or managed services environments. Or, and they combine with service mesh or uh, API gateways or uh, identity services or whatnot, they are already they already have those requirements. It's just a matter of time when they, those requirements will be enforced, uh, whether it's at the beginning of the product uh, development, whether it's at the time it goes to production or whether it's the time that the application needs some scaling or some adjustments later on while in production. So the complexity will exist. It's only a matter of like when you're gonna address that complexity on day one when you start writing the code or on day 500 a year and a
0: half later Okay, but it will it will happen. My thinking is, so if you get let's, let's say Asia because uh, uh, you're working on Microsoft, so we can talk about Asia now. so the, the, uh, let's say my company did already the decision, we are deployed to Asia. I would write a simple code. If you mention monitoring or logging, the first thing I would do, I would look at Asia Monitor. Why? Because I'm running on Asia anyway. So I wouldn't, you know, start my right. exploration and try to find a crazy library to keep me busy. I say, okay, I I, I would like, you know, just to deliver the application and I'm on Asia, so I would pick an Asia Monitor. If I would like to mark infrastructure as code on Asia, the first thing I will do, I will pick Bicep. Why? Because I'm on Asia, right? And and any deviation from the Asia, I would start at least with something which what, what is there? And if this doesn't work, then we'll pick something else. So this is the only thing. And but if it works, I will learn a little bit more. I guarantee you, if you start a fresh project with Bicep, Azure Monitor, I forgot the logging solution, log log analytics or something, it's called right. The the log log uh, aggregate on Azure log analytics, I think, is the name. And if you just you know, then Azure Web um, Azure uh, App Service or container apps. And then you can, and then it doesn't matter which web server you, you are, you're using. Uh, let's say uh, MicroProfile is Quarkus, but I know it will work. But we get a, a solution with these services, and we are o- we are already busy with new technologies. And I guarantee you, you can spend years to understand whatever we build here, if you would like, if you if you are eager to learn, and if you will introduce even more libraries on top of that. Then I will start to question, you know, what you are you doing here? Is this just a fashion-driven development? So I mean, is this not like it's not enough to learn. So why we have to introduce another crazy technology on top of this what we already have, right? This is just what I'm saying. So there is enough room to learn, just you know what we have. There is no need to, to to add more. But I think we are almost on the same page. And um, uh, to back to 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 Dapper is uh, what I wanted to ask you really. Uh, for me, Dapper it is uh, similar to Istio, right? So from, from the it's also sidecar or service mesh, so it's similar technology to Istio, right?
1: Well, I, I am not super experienced with Istio. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it does sound like Istio. Uh, people mention that all the time. Uh, but honestly, the way I look into Dapper is I look at probably a lot Java EE. In the old days, yeah, Corba with remote so, ejbs mm-hmm. we, exactly with remote EJBs all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. There's and uh, and and the thing the thing to think about, Deborah, is uh, the components that actually make the connection to your endpoint services is oftentimes written in Go mm-hmm. and with perf- with performance in mind mm-hmm. uh, for for scalability. Um, so so if there is a problem of performance you have to look into two places now you have to look into your code and how it is talking to the dapper side card and you also have to look into the dapper components that actually communicates with the end point uh, so that that is there is some extra complexity now uh, if, if, if a system is designed uh, with dapper or with any other framework like issue now I, I, what, I, what I find amazing is that when I started developing Java EE in the, in the old days of 2000, around 2008, between 2008 and 2012, uh, I was heavily working with Java EE and a little bit of Spring as well, and I found that people were already complaining about the complexity of things.
0: Yeah. Oh, Java
1: EE and <laughs> JN, JNDI yeah. and JDBC driver and you know what driver to use? Do you do I use XA data source mm-hmm. or no XA data source? Uh, what about authentication and and oh my God, it was like so much. And uh, then uh, Oracle and other companies like IBM had all these solutions for SOA suite and API gateways and enterprise service buses and all of that. Like Red Hat also had great portfolio on that. Uh, then MuleSoft came mm-hmm. about and, you know, revolutionized the world of enterprise service bus. And I'm like, I mean, I, I found, I found of that amazing, but at the same time, super complex uh, for large systems. And then today, people are still doing the same thing. Complexity, you know, will always be there. Things, you know, there's they say things start simple, but as they as they evolve, they will become complex no matter what happens. They will always become complex. Complexity is the end goal <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day. And then it restarts. It restarts with somebody saying, no, enough is enough. Let's start again. Yeah. And then they start a <laughs> new exactly. the project, new technology or a new program language. And at the beginning, everything is fine. But then eventually people start complaining, oh, there's, this feature doesn't exist. What about that feature? And then suddenly those things are added, and then suddenly it becomes complex again. Yeah. So, so the reality is I, I, think, I think technologists, software technologists, simply at, at large, there is a very small set that are comfortable with status quo. But the majority always want to do things differently, better, or you know, more complex, or add more features. And then eventually, they just go back and start complaining again and again. It's a vicious cycle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the few industries that, I'm, that I, I feel that there is this vicious cycle of reinventing itself all the time, not because, because it must, but because it wants to. Exactly. And and I, I, I kind of agree with you. I mean, there are some technologies that are enough, you know, Linux uh, is enough for server. Uh, Java is enough for a majority of back-end systems. But we have to recognize the human, as- the human aspect of working with software, working with technologies like this, that we get bored. The average person gets bored easily. And to remain excited in this world, in this industry, yeah, I mean that cycle. I think it's part of it. It's mm-hmm. part of the culture. It's part of the uh, the, the way that we think as technologists. Uh, we just accept it, and uh, uh, I think the, the more we accept, the more we understand, and the more we participate, perhaps in these new waves of, of new reinventions.
0: Yeah, but then and, you know, start, we should we should include about, we should include this aspect of boredom into agile into agile cycle. You know. So, unit test red, then improve it green, then introduce something which makes it more exciting, <laughs> red again, then green, and then you are excited, because really uh, we do everything. You know, client says okay, the and agile is uh, not, uh, uh, is say uh, okay, we do whatever necessary to make it work in 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 production, and if you if you would take it seriously, the entire agile agile programming. Then you know most of the project would really really boring because there is not like everyone is is building a moonlander. What you said, right? So I would say then we would get just the requirements. We would write really simple code. And it would be done, and and uh, and and so this would. You have to be honest, you know, to your clients. Okay, look. I would like to experiment. So okay, then I mean to do some research, but this is nothing to do with my requirements. This is what I'm saying. Because I do lots of no task forces and code reviews, and what I see is really sometimes exactly crazy code. And I ask you know, what is that? what happens? Like, yeah, when we try to do something, is okay, and then and, and yeah, it's okay, then, then then I understand, but it doesn't make any sense now. And um so um Back to Dapper, so I, I was now um, not really sure you like Dapper or you don't like Dapper. So, so I mean, for me, what I, I I took a look at this, and for me, uh, I would say there is one killer use case of the entire Dapper for me, which is very obvious, is uh, encryption and, and certificate management. This is always, you know, uh, a, a little bit problematic with the with the encryption from service to service, and if Dapper solves right. this for me. Then it's golden. This was exactly only one use case I knew from Istio is SSL. So I got to know ask. People ask me, you know, what's your opinion about service mesh? I said okay, I don't need it. So the only thing I can imagine is, you know, the encryption. This is what I would start with. And um, if you already have it, then we can talk. Maybe it can monitor a little bit and do stuff like this. But I was just curious about, uh, you know, uh, because uh, the Dapper is a sidecar and Istio is a sidecar, but I think Dapper does more. Because, to my understanding, you know, this is like a gRPC also calls behind the scenes, and Easter is more or less like a network router with configuration. This was my uh, my understanding. Um, but yeah. if you know, um, I would say put it this way: if Dapper is really integrated, and I don't see this a lot, then I don't care, right? I don't like to deal with another thing which is a moving part. This is this is this is the thing. There has to be a significant added value to this. Uh, if there is no added value, keep it simple.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think Dapper, Dapper, can be, a piece of technology. That uh. That, becomes part of a pass platform as a service solution. Exactly. Like like it's like built in, right? It is not today. There's no Azure service that provides Dapper, out of the box. Uh, we might have, I'm not super sure, we might have services internally that are using Dapper. I don't even know right now. But given that we have enough engineers contributing and working with Dapper, it is likely. Um, But my point is, today I don't see that. Uh, I look into the azure.com website. I don't see Dapper as a managed service. I don't see services announcing that customers can use Dapper as a built-in feature. But it could, Dapper could be part of a pass solution, especially on top of Kubernetes. Uh, that you know, here's my application, and your application is designed to connect to the database through Dapper, and and the only thing, the main thing that I don't like about Dapper, is that now your application code has to be Dapper specific. Mm-hmm. You, you want to talk to the database, you will not use JDBC. Mm-hmm. You will use gRPC. Mm-hmm. You will use, uh, or HTTP. You're going gonna to talk to the database through Dapper. And there is a fundamental challenge there. Developers are not used to talk to the database over gRPC. They're used to talk to the database through JDBC, through Hibernate, JPA, Juke and my batches and a bunch of other Java technologies that have been in the ecosystem for more than a decade. So now you're, you're you know, if, if, a, if, a, if a team says, we're going to use Dapper and you have lots of Java engineers, well, in my view, you actually need whatever engineer, because now your engineer needs to know Dapper or needs to know how to to the database through Dapper. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is one challenge for the adoption of the technology. And for uh, uh, for teams in general to to, to think about this way mm-hmm. so so that's that there is there is an interesting approach to this model of application development with sidecars and whatnot you said you said well like encryption and certificate management you know now my application doesn't have to do that the data component will do that yep. and talk to the database yeah that is great but but honestly is that is that something that is Going back to complexity, you know, it's a trade-off. You you have to configure that at the beginning or you know, somewhere down yeah. the road. I mean, and how often do we have to configure certificates? It should be once
0: ever.
1: Oh, you no, know.
0: No, now it's interesting. Uh, what's your official title at at, at right now at Microsoft? Uh, not not production person. No, but no, no, <laughs> no, kidding. It's like, uh, what's what's your title?
1: Uh, yeah, product
0: manager for what for Asia or Java for Java. Java, okay. I thought you are you are more uh, more in in Asia, so um, I was from the I I was, I I was talking from from Asia perspective. So now um, the truth is, if we talk, you know, on premise, I would never use Dapper. If I go to the cloud, it's a little bit different. And now the question is, why I'm going to the cloud, right? Because uh, there should be a reason. So uh, it's not like. All enterprise companies need hyperscaling. This is this is usually the workloads are running fine, so they are. I would say a key advantages of cloud over on on premise. One one advantage is or advantage uh, uh, through you know the last three years, lots of companies run out of capacity, so they cannot. They they have to you know they have to go somewhere else. I mean the only reason is to go to the cloud. So this is this is the. Uh, a sad story, but uh, another thing is, um, strangely enough, security. It is really hard, you know, to be highly secure on premise because uh, there is no API. So if you would like to have, you know, certificate rotation or whatever, it's really hard to implement this on premise because to automate everything uh, is, I would say, almost impossible. Right. You know, encryption and rest right. and in transit, you, you, you. you I, I mean, almost mission impossible. So then you can innovate, you know, uh, the next 50 years. And um, the next problem is, if you talk about security, at least in Europe, there are standards. And the truth is, you know, the clouds are, uh, are, are certified in all possible ways. So you cannot compete, you know, with the certification with your data center with the clouds. I would say security is the next one, right? And, uh, and the last one, I would say, is uh, disaster recovery. So I was uh, in the last uh, few years in projects where the expectation was, you know, if one data center goes, goes, uh, uh, goes down, then uh, the other will pick up. But, you know, the latency is the problem. And uh, in, 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 in uh, Europe, it's not always, you know, easy to find two on-premise data centers with a fast connection between them. You have to go to the cloud. So now, in such an environment, if we move to the cloud, for me, Lift and shift an existing application to the cloud does make doesn't make any sense because it, the, the cost will increase and there is no improvement to my clients. This is like you know refactoring without any business benefits and everyone is disappointed in the shortest amount of time.
1: Uh, it depends yeah it depends it, it, but it's a, a, in
0: my in my context in all my projects so it's okay because okay. If, if, if you start and you just do the math calculation you know Postgres database in the cloud, how much does it cost how much it, it, the cost will explode. And, and, and right. the expectation in Germany is that the clouds are cheap. I don't know why. I had a uh, discussion <laughs> with someone in, from uh, El Salvador, in, uh, Victor uh, o- 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 Orozco, I think. This was the, uh, the, the, was the guy from, um, with Java, uh, Duke Adventures. And I had a ch- chat with him and he said, okay, in El Salvador, everyone knows that clouds are more expensive, but they are better. I am said, so, okay, in Germany, everyone expects to know what we are doing is cheaper than on-premise. And, uh, and then they, f- they, they see the first bill, regardless which cloud, and they are completely disappointed. So this, this, this hap- always happens. <laughs> and then I got, no kidding, everyone was crazy about microservices. So we shipped five microservices. And if you ship you know, five microservices, the, serv- the uh, microservices are load-balanced. And uh, the manager saw the bill and asked, you "No, know, can we just not merge the microservices to a larger service? It will going to be cheaper, right?" So I like, guess, but there's no more microservices. It's called monolith. It's like I don't care, but the cost will be you no know, lower. So uh, I would say in, in in clouds there is a cost driven development, right? Uh, so you have to justify the costs. They have, they become obvious on the bill. And we had the discussion discussion already, Bruno, with events. So, if you go the serverless route, this is why I believe that serverless is the future, actually. Um, if you go the serverless route, uh, then you will see on the bill, you know, pay-pay-use. What costs how much? Of course, serverless is 20% more expensive, but at least this is visible on the bill, you know, for what you are paying. Not like you are paid the entire time for, you know, control plane for Kubernetes. You just pay, you know, per transaction, which is absolutely uh, explainable to managers. Now, where I'm going with it. So we did in a project, actually on Asia, uh, evaluation with Postgres. And if you do Postgres, you know, you have to have the leader and follower and clustering and backup, and you have to do everything, which some developers may appreciate because the is like okay, but if we go to the cloud, really, why are we not pick Cosmos DB? I mean, this is the Asia native database, you know, and, and, and they, they do everything for us. The, 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 and then what happens? Then it is it is cheaper, and now it comes. But if we pick Cosmos DB, there is no more JDBC. You know the the, the, the programming model is different, and then I don't care whether I have to talk to to to, know, to Cosmos DB via Dapper or without Dapper. My JDBC is gone anyway. And for security reasons, also interesting. Um, all cloud databases, or I mean Postgres in the cloud, what you don't get you don't get know row-level security. So you cannot say this row out of the is can be owner-exit by this permission. By the, how to call it, managed cloud databases, you get this. So um, so what I'm just saying is, if you move your application to the cloud in cloud-native way, maybe you could rethink what you are doing and take, you know, say, okay, the clouds are different. So let's do it cloud-native. What will happen? It will just pick, you know, the cloud services, really, and, you know use the uh, Microsoft vault for for certificate management and, and not try you know to encrypt your certificates by yourself let's say and, and this is what I'm saying and if you pick more managed services from the cloud it is not like we have the apis there they are they are not existing right this is what I'm saying so lift and shift I'm with you but um, lift and shift at least you know in my project everyone is disappointed because they say okay um, it is too expensive another thing what we' do mention is kubernetes. I don't get Kubernetes in public cloud at all. So because for me, Kubernetes is the cloud, how cloud is built. If I run Kubernetes on Azure, now I have two clouds. And know, I have the Kubernetes cloud, which runs on Azure cloud. And I have to you know to, to fiddle with both clouds. So if I go to Azure, I will pick something like, I, I think it's called Container Apps. It's in preview right now. And what is normally in preview is Azure App Service. So uh, we had to talk the last time about that. Um, there's an Azure Container Instances, ACI. This is just one. Azure app service, you, know, you have an orchestrator, which, you know, starts the containers behind the load balancer. And this is absolutely proprietary technology from Microsoft, but it is simple to configure. I've right you know, a few lines of JSON, and I'm done. I don't care about, you know, the tons of YAML. And if I have to go away from Azure to a different cloud, I will adjust the small JSON, and it will work. So the entire, you know, portability story with Kubernetes in the cloud. So for me, Kubernetes makes absolute sense on-premise, in cloud, less so. So this is my personal opinion, my observations, because, you know, um, Kubernetes has own user management and it's the configuration management. Wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. wait. You, yeah. say, you say the future, the future is serverless, but then you say that Kubernetes makes more sense on-premises than in the cloud. Yes. It doesn't make sense. You're uh, having those two beliefs. And I'll, I'll, let me explain why. One of the advantages of Kubernetes is having a place where I can orchestrate containers. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And by orchestrate containers, I mean not only just run them. Yeah. And scale them, but also secure them. Yeah. I can I, I can have control over the network and say where this computer can connect to, talk to you, yeah. internally, externally, whatnot. Yeah. I have full control of the network. Of, of the containers yeah. in my Kubernetes cluster. But I also have a almost serverless environment. Yes. If I am, run, if I am running Kubernetes in the cloud, I have a near, near serverless environment because I can grow my node pool in my cluster as I see
0: fit, as I see the demand. But it's not better if than I, Azure only, functions. But Azure function.
1: No 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 no, no. no, 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 no. I'm talking I'm talking just like a horizontal scale. If I need if, if my if for some reason I have I have a system running on premises. Yeah. And I, I undersized my application. Mm-hmm. On premise. Yeah, I'm after, with you. Okay. I, I put something in production on premises. And then after I put in production, I realized I undersized my infrastructure. Okay. Yeah. What are my course of action? I can provision more servers and wait for them to be shipped and then wait, take months to have more hardware on my data center. Yes, you're right. Or, or I can demote other production systems, to scale down actually, or scale in mm-hmm. those systems so I can have more resources available. Yeah. But the cost of those systems. Yeah, I I'm I'm, I'm limited. My yeah, my course. options are very limited. If I if I if I need to scale now, here's the, here's the other thing. If I overscale or yes, if I oversize my infrastructure on premises, and I'm using Kubernetes, what how how much money will I save if I reduce the number of nodes in my Kubernetes? Nothing. Form?
0: You you got me wrong. What I meant is. If you would like to build your own cloud on-premise, Kubernetes is the way to go.
1: No, but that's the thing. No, 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 no. That's the thing. The benefit, one of the key benefits of cloud is being able to run your workloads and scale them and pay only for what you scale. Exactly. So if you have have Kubernetes running on-prem, you don't have a private cloud you have an on prem orchestration system of containers. That's it. Yes. That's it. There's no cloud. How how do you call it?
0: I would say if you would like to orchestrate Docker containers on-premise in larger environments, pick Kubernetes in smaller environments. Pick Docker Compose with uh, Docker networking. Uh, It's not a cloud. I'm with you. But if you go to the public cloud, my point was Kubernetes is less interesting because asia already orchestrates the uh, the do- docker container as well and does exactly the same virtualization
1: No, it's also it's also about the cost yes
0: yeah, of course cost. but i'm not so i'm kubernetes, not pro i'm not pro kubernetes
1: has a cost. yeah exactly a kubernetes service has a cost all right yeah. a kubernetes service whether it's on azure google amazon oracle IBM, Control plane. there is a cost of the vms mm-hmm. and the cost of the control plane Yes. And some clouds don't charge for the control plane, uh, but most for whatever reason, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe they. Yeah. my point is, there is a cost of a managed Kubernetes service because uh, the cloud vendor will patch the runtime, will keep the runtime up to date, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Also, the whole, also the whole automation and provisioning of that service mm-hmm. instance for you. But if the customer wants more value. Which means, which usually means, have to do less things. They have to pay more, and they will pay more for Azure App Service. It's more expensive than Kubernetes. Azure Kubernetes Service, Azure yeah. Container Apps is more expensive than Azure Kubernetes Service. Azure Spring Cloud is more expensive than Azure Kubernetes Service. But these services are more expensive because they provide also more value. Yeah. Now I don't have to manage Kubernetes, right? Now. I get I get what you're saying. Lots of customers believe in that too, but also there are some customers that say, "Nope, I know Kubernetes. The way that I manage Kubernetes, the way that I operate is different than the way that Azure Screen Cloud works, or the way that Container Apps works, or the way sure. App Service works. So that's why I want Azure Kubernetes Service, and I want Azure Kubernetes Service because I also want that." Uh, some value, which is, hey, Microsoft, provision me a uh, Kubernetes cluster with these VMs mm-hmm. and I will <clears throat> I will schedule my system to grow uh, at the end of the month because it's payroll time and whatever. I need to have more VMs in my node pool and then once that is done, I'm going to uh, uh, scale in uh, or scale down and reduce the number of VMs and I'm going to save money, right? All of that because that company that customer has good understanding of it because they chose you
0: yeah but, but, it, but it, I'm with you but uh, I also have s- such a uh, uh, clients but uh, one of my clients has to use Kubernetes are also uses on 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 Asia and they build products and they say okay uh, we already have you know the um, kubernetes orchest not orchestrator uh, how-, how it's called operator um, operator and they have uh, their um, uh, kubernetes specific uh, you know uh, investments. Uh, helm charts deployment and uh, this is absolute you know sensible decision what i'm telling you if you are starting you know, a fresh greenfield reset you know so uh, we had to, we started a discussion you know just playing java application with postgres or something like this for this i wouldn't you know in greenfield project advise you know to use kubernetes you say okay if you just would like to have a simple application start with aci if you, you need uh, something uh, simple in cluster use asia app service and uh, you will save a lot of time with no, with fiddling with the configuration. And the newest service, Container Web App, I think it's called Container Apps, Azure Container Apps, I think is the name. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's Kubernetes behind the scenes, but I don't care. So you can use, you know, in behind the scenes, whatever you like, but I don't like to see it. This is exactly the same discussion 10 years ago. Everyone was crazy about OSGI, and uh, Quarkus uses uh, Quarkus. Uh, uh, Glassfish was built on on top of OSGI, and JBoss uh, indirectly on top of OSGI. But I didn't care. So okay, I, I I don't like to use OSGI in my project. It's too complex. If you if you use it under the hood, I don't care. Good for you. But um for me, I would just like focus on business. So and and I got I got okay. I understand.
1: I understand what you are So I I agree with that. I agree with that. You know, so, if it's a greenfield application. Yeah. Make it simple. Go to a managed, fully managed service. Don't care about Kubernetes, don't care about operators, but that is assuming the requirements are met, right? It's not just
0: oh yeah, yeah. But uh, why, why why I'm saying why I'm why I'm telling you this is because you know um, I, I get lots of uh, um, requests uh, regarding Java Cloud Native, and the first request is you know uh, Kubernetes, and I, I always say okay, why you need Kubernetes? And they say, yeah, because we think you know, Kubernetes is cloud native. Uh, everything which is not Kubernetes is not cloud native. This is uh, usually a discussion what is going on. And and then you know, sometimes I show them ACI, even Azure Functions or whatever, and and they say, okay, but this is proprietary Microsoft technology. I say, like, yes, but take a look at the confi- take a look at the um, and the amount of configuration you need, to you know, for. For ACI or for Azure App Service, and compare it, you know, to to a, a Kubernetes deployment with your YAMLs and everything, and let's do a proof of concepts. And the funny story is, the um, managed services always won so far. There was uh, for for a typical microservice application in Java, there were no arguments, you know, to use in in my Greenfield project. We talk about, you know, our simple applications. To use the full portability and full power of Kubernetes, except the minority of my clients who had to you know significant investment with Helm charts and Kubernetes-specific stuff, uh, Kubernetes operators, of course, why they should you know migrate away if everything's already automated. Um, right. So, 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 what I'm saying is, is actually. The, uh, the 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 Kubernetes is like what many of my clients did. You know back then run you no know, Spring on top of uh, JBoss. I never got this because then I got to you know the dependency injection twice: the JBoss one and the Spring one. And uh, and Kubernetes is exactly the same. Kubernetes is own you know user management, Azure has and user management. And I have to understand both. And for me, you know, this complexity uh, is optional. Before I do this, I would take a look what's there. And I could use you no know, ACI and so forth. Uh, but if I don't like go to public cloud and I would like to create my own cloud on-premise, then something like Kubernetes, but I would never pick, you know, the vanilla Kubernetes. I would pick OpenShift or Rancho or something like this. And, and then I could build my own cloud. But using this is even crazier. What you said is not even, you know, the hardware, but creating a right environment with the network and everything is not trivial. So I would rather spend, you know, time with something different than than, than managing my own hardware and and the stuff but um this is a different story what you just said is that uh, you know kubernetes shines if you create your own cloud but if you are in the cloud cloud can use you know kubernetes behind the scenes i don't care but i don't like you know just to push my business logic and this is somehow executed and how is it executed i don't care this is no back to our discussion I would like just to you know: have my war or, or zip or jar or whatever, copy it over, and 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 that, this is basically it. And um, yeah,
1: I, it, it it makes sense. It makes sense. I, as I said, I, I'm with you. Like it, 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 if, it, if it is a greenfield application, there's no reason not to try uh, understand, learn, and take advantage of near application deployment paradigms, right? Yeah. Um, you know, as you said. Use app surveys or use container apps. So that is the value of most cloud vendors. No, I was reading some. I was reading another tweet saying a tweet saying, "Oh my God, the cloud is getting complicated because now you have like 15 ways of doing the same thing." Well, that's fine. I mean, there should be 15 ways of doing the same thing because it's about choice. It's yeah. about about it's about a vendor. Providing different options to different types of customers that, and and, and sometimes different teams inside a customer that are in different journeys. Um, Some teams are maintaining uh, existing systems for 5, 10 plus years. And now they have to go to the cloud because there is a mandate from the company, hey, we are going to offset our data center. And we're gonna move everything to the cloud because we got this massive discount of like forty percent discount on cloud infrastructure. We're gonna take advantage of that. We're gonna save a lot of money, but it has to go to the cloud. Okay, lift and shift of existing applications and moving. Starting now, all new development will happen cloud native. That is a quite understandable. Uh, this is uh, very scenario. understandable
0: what we said. If you get the deal and you do okay, lift and shift with now with as 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 fast as possible. This, I, I'm with you. But the choice in the cloud is also interesting. So the choice in the cloud is important for costs because, as you said, there are higher-level yeah. services and lower-level services. You no, know? And the cheapest possible service is uh, how it's called VM set, right? It's the the is the basic uh, VM on Azure. This is the cheapest one, but you have to do everything by yourself. You have to patch you know, the operating system and everything, and, and, and at any one point of time, it becomes more expensive than uh, maybe ACI. And if you would like to have ACI with clustering, then you need you know, to care a lot uh, with with the clustering. Then you will pick Azure App Service, which is a little more expensive than ACI, but you do less. And um, right. th- this was the discussion. But uh, we have you know, actually to interrupt because it's very interesting what you are building here. What you are doing, actually, uh, Bruno, you are building a, a, a light or something like this, right? For your new Hollywood movie.
1: What? No, you creative
0: you You had an interesting device. It was like a light, or what was it? It was a microphone, or what was it?
1: Oh no! This was uh, I. I'm just fixing, uh, putting something back in the box to return. Uh, yeah, stay tuned because uh, we are
0: going to publish some videos. Oh ah, okay. Do- what I thought uh, it's like video light or something like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, this was a uh, uh, light uh, for home studio. Ah, uh, okay which I need to return today as soon as possible but, okay. but back to, back to the discussion I, I think I think people are starting to realize there's no I mean the Heroku model is interesting because it's it's simple right yeah. digital oceans model is, is is also good because it's simple I mean if you look to those vendors they only have a few options of deploying yeah. applications but that also is a problem to them because now they also have less, customers to uh, uh, provide value to because they have less options right by nature and that's okay um, that's okay i think that it's it's really the customer's job to find what works for them what uh, will fit their applications at any given point in time and uh, um, for, for us developers our job is to find the right model for the right application at the right time with the knowledge that we have. For sure. So when you say, oh, you should go cloud native. Yeah, we should. If it's a greenfield application and I also have the time to learn and my requirements are met. And, you know, but, <laughs> but if I don't have the time to learn, guess what? I'm going to shove Tomcat on a VM in the cloud and I'm going to manage it myself for a while yeah you are right, learn. but we learned you
0: know uh, half an hour ago that developers have to, would like to learn you know that we have the that's that's yeah what what I, what i, what I told true. you you know we we can just you know just learn with basic infrastructure there's enough to do if there is no reason you know to introduce third party frameworks to make the, the 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 life even more exciting so this is the conclusion of our discussion today
1: but the conclusion is we can do whatever we, we like yeah we don't we don't need. We don't need to be bored, at all. Exactly. There is a lot of stuff for us to learn. Okay, got it. Makes sense. <laughs> Perfect.
0: Where people can this find you on the fun. internet? Yeah,
1: people it was fun.
0: Find. This time there was a like like now we we discuss everything, but I um it is you know hard hard to summarize this podcast. It will be fun you know to find a title, but um but um I think it was good discussion. Um, uh, arounding you know, uh, around uh, innovation and uh, excitement and uh, bigger projects and polyglot and dappers, Corba, Java, everything was there the entire no, entire history of uh, of social development. Mm -hmm.
1: I think I I think a good title for this can be finding finding some sense in a non sense world (laughs) in a non (laughs) sense industry.
0: Okay, okay, I I would try to reuse it. So, um. Where people can find you, Bruno? Your Twitters and blogs? I'm, and... On, I'm,
1: on, I'm on Twitter. I don't blog much. Uh, when I when I have long stuff to share, I, these times I, I actually end up doing long threads on Twitter. Uh, but follow me on LinkedIn as well. LinkedIn.com slash n slash Bruno C. Borges. And mm-hmm. on Twitter, it's just Bruno Borges. That's and uh, yeah, I do some stuff on GitHub as well. So GitHub.com slash Bruno Borges.
0: Uh, yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. So, um, thank you a lot. It was fun. And uh, good yeah, luck with was. your light, bringing back your yeah, light. Thank you.
1: <laughs> Thanks, man. This is fun. Bye. Appreciate it.